This is Genetic Jackpot. I'm Shannon Halligan. And I'm Nick Sloan. So what is the obesity gene? Is someone genetically predisposed to being overweight? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I also think that's a billion-dollar question that every fad diet, trendy exercise routine tries to answer. And, you know, is there a magic formula just for you. Well, our interview today is with Emily Brown, who started her own company to try and help people with health and wellness goals. And she provides her clients with exercise and nutrition recommendations based on genetic data and lifestyle factors. We'll get to that interview in a minute. But I want to start with Nick, who has an amazing story of his own weight loss. And so, Nick, tell us about your journey. This is a this is a really big topic that means a lot to me, so I'm glad we're doing this podcast today. Um, since June of 2012, I have lost over 320 pounds. Uh, the word obesity used to define me. It's a 320 it's a, pounds. Yeah, 320. 320 pounds. And I'm I'm literally half the man I used to be. You know, usually people say that in a bad way. For me, it's a good way. You know, I'm half the man I used to be weight loss weight weight wise. So the word obesity used to define my life, and if there's a word that I feel, if there's a topic that I think I could be a little bit of an expert on with with this podcast, it's obesity and my battle to overcome it. And I think our guest is going to have a lot of good stuff to say. But to kind of touch on a little bit what I did, at, you know, June 2012, I woke up one day, I went for a walk, I, and I exercised most of the time ever since. You know, I try get out five to six days a week. I try to walk three or four miles a day, sometimes jog. And But the most important thing is, and I think this is where our guests will have a lot of good information, is your diet, your nutritional intake. And I think what's unique on my part is, number one, I never, when people ask me how I did this, I never really specifically talk about the food part because I think there is something to the idea that everybody handles food differently based on based on our genetic makeup. You know, for example, I, I, I tried a vegetarian diet a couple times and I failed miserably. Maybe not necessarily my fault, but because my body needs meat, and that's part of a that's part of a, maybe a theory I have about that. But anyway, over those six years, I've lost 320 pounds. Uh, I did it, you know, and I did it without a roadmap. So I think, you know, had I known that maybe this technology was available, it could have been a little bit easier for me. Doesn't take away from what I was able to do, but I think if I had this roadmap in front of me, perhaps maybe it could have been a little easier. But you know, I think. Uh, What's fascinating is I think we all can do it different ways, and which is why I try to avoid providing specific advice for food because what, you know, red meat might be good for me, might be good for you, but it may not be bad for your friend. Uh, fruits may be great for me, but they may not be, do well for you. And, I, and a lot of my friends who are in really good shape, they they eat different things. You know, I, one one of my friends who's really, really in good shape, he doesn't eat fruit because it it doesn't you know he it, it he feels like it hurts him it makes him sick it sounds weird but i do think i do think uh our guests will have a lot of interesting things to say about that and why we may react to food differently yeah definitely and i think you know i've i feel like everyone has at probably at one point tried different fad diets you know like low carb high fat low calorie, you know, across the board. And, yeah, I think people can kind of tell, somewhat tell, like, 
what is better for them and what isn't. Um, but for you, I mean, I like when you decided that you wanted to lose weight, what was it that 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 changed? To me, the two big things diet-wise, and I think this is this is something that can be mostly universally applied. I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that would work for me, would not work for you, would not work for my friend Brian, would not work for my friend Ronnie or your friends. But what I think could work for me, or what, what, what could work mostly for everybody, is the first thing I did was I stopped drinking calories. No more pop. No more. No more Gatorade. No more. Anything, any, any liquid that had calories. That's the first thing I did. And just by doing that and walking a couple miles a day, I dropped 20 pounds the first month. And then I think the other thing that I did is I dramatically reduced sweets. Now I still have a cupcake once in a while. I still have a piece of cake if, you know, if, you know, at work, if a coworker's having a birthday party, but, uh, I reduced sugar. And I think that's, that's, that's what turned it around. I realized that sugar was my enemy. And once I started reducing sugar, once I started reducing and completely eliminating liquid calories, it's called in a lot of nutritional experts, they call those empty calories. You're just putting calories in your body that you really don't need. Once I started reducing that dramatically, I saw results. And, you know, if there is one piece of advice I would give is to try to, you know, avoid sugar as much as you can. You can't completely knock it out because even vegetables have some sugar in them but you can Mm -hmm. reduce them so reduce it so do you think that like is was weight something that you struggled with your whole life oh yeah absolutely i i was around 200 pounds at the end of elementary school to middle uh at the beginning of middle school so it was something i've always struggled with i i was always the the quote big kid the fat kid in the photo I, i i I called myself fat. I think that's part of my brutal brutality of, of me brut- being brutally honest about myself is I was always the fat kid in the picture. So it's something I dealt with for, you know, I'm 33 years old. It's something I dealt with for 27 years of my life. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of things to overcome. That's a, it's not just, it's not just how you look either. It's how you feel about yourself. You hate, you know, you looking back, I still, I still, I won't say hate myself, but I still wonder why, why did I wait so long? And, you know, I was, I was never confident about myself. I lacked, I, I never trusted myself because of that issue. And I think it's the attitude, the, ad, the, the better attitude that I have about myself is the biggest victory here because it's, it's really mental too. That's another part of weight loss. It's, it's mostly mental because you have to stay happy. Whatever you do, you have to stay happy. Whether you do the low carb diet, the low calorie diet, the run four miles a day deal, you have to be happy. Right. And if you're and not so that, happy about yourself, you're going to stop. You're going to stop doing what you need to do to be in better health and better shape. Yeah, and it's just it goes back to the thing where it's it's not just one thing that um, impacts your health. That it's not just um, you know if the one gene that controls everything. Um, it's a, several different factors. But do you think uh, if you did the test, and you know maybe one day we'll do this, um, but do you think if you did the test that you would get back those results that said that you have the obesity gene? Do you think it runs in your family? I, you know, I, I believe it does. 
you know, and I think it, you know, not just my family, but, you know, thankfully, you know, I've, I've inspired members of my family to lose weight as well. And, you know, there's a lot of people in my, and a lot of families deal with this. If you look at the obesity statistics, obesity in America is a, it's a big threat to health. I mean, it's the number one health, the number one threat to health. I mean, look at all the money we spend on health care because of that. And I do think, I do think I, I would have the obesity gene. It's something my family has battled with. It's uh, obesity is, you know, common in my family, unfortunately. And I think if you look in it, and it's a weird observation I'm about to make here, but if you look at a lot of family photos, I think you can see it sometimes, you know, and I hate to say that, but I think you can, you can see, if you see family photos, you can see that, you know, there may be some, there may be something to the idea of an obesity gene. So I would say, I would say yes. I think if I took that test, I would say yes. With our interview today, we talked to uh, Emily Brown, who hits on a few of these different topics. So we'll get back to more of the takeaways once we listen to her. But Emily has a master's in nutrition and exercise physiology and an interest in how DNA and its impact on health and disease. And so I'll let her explain what her company, Genetic Garden, does for her clients. I was getting my master's in nutrition and exercise physiology, and I noticed. I mean, you just you just can't separate them in terms of achieving your health goals. And then I started to get interested in the genetic component of this, and so I began asking people who had gone through either 23andMe or or um, the many other tests that are currently offered, and I asked them their interpretation and what their takeaways were. And so many people had a lack of education and the lack of ability to understand what their test results meant and how to apply them in their daily life. So my goal when creating this company was to really connect the dots and integrate individuals' genetic information with the current nutrition and exercise methods out there. Um, so that's that's how I got going. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things that kind of unknown people take this test and they think, oh, it's cool. But there are a lot of things that people find out from this that can be very alarming. Um, exactly. What do, you, what do you think about that with the terms of, like, what's out there right now for people who, you know, get this information back and then are confused and shocked? Is there – is that that missing piece right now? That's exactly right, and that's what I like to call myself. I really um, connect the dots there, and I augment the tests that are already going on. So I, I'm currently able to provide the tests from Pathway Genomics to my clients in a package of my own. Um, but what, what's lacking in the current models was really what I strove to, to fill the gap. Um, so what they're lacking is really – the amount of information that they they need to assess in a client. So you you can't really just prescribe a nutrition or exercise plan based on DNA alone. They're lacking the integration of information like the the sex, the age, their sleep, their stress, um, their preferences, their lifestyle. All of these epigenetic components that affect the way your DNA works. Those things aren't being incorporated into these plans. So that's really where I come in. We get the ba the DNA as the baseline. That, that's a template of what can be, 
but then we we integrate all of these other epigenetic influences, um, which is your lifestyle, and apply those to your DNA. And then, so we do that through an interview process. And so this this um, whole program is really personalized in in such a comprehensive way that no other company right now is doing because I do get so personal. Um, and so, like like you were mentioning. People don't know how or what to do with these results, and oftentimes the interpretation is so lacking that the way they apply them in their daily life can even be detrimental. So, for an example, would be there's there's a gene called actinin three, and that's what provides you with the power capabilities in your muscle. And if you have it, then your test results will say you are born for power power and resistance training and sprinting and all of these high muscle demand activities. And it'll also say you're not so prone for endurance. Well, what's problematic here is that I had a client get that exact result. And what what they didn't take into account was that she's a 63-year-old postmenopausal woman and that those epigenetic factors need to be um, incorporated because she, there's nobody more suited or more in need of those resistance training to help mitigate the um, the age-related decline in things like muscle mass and bone density. So just because you're more suited for endurance doesn't mean you should absolutely avoid resistance. It's, it's quite the opposite. So I've talked to another genetic counselor in terms of more um, on the, like, ancestry side of things. Would you mm-hmm. say you're a genetic counselor? in terms of the health side of things? Uh yeah. I don't go into I don't I don't really get into their disease states. So my schooling allows me to help people who are who are outside the the disease state. So they can be pre disease in terms of uh pre hypertension, they can be pre diabetic and all of these facets. Um so that's really where I focus on my genetic counseling. Yeah. And, and so disease you know, prevention, not really disease treatment. Right, right. I just think mm-hmm. it's very exciting for the future of everything. Um, what did you think when you first started specializing in this? I just just like you. I mean, I and still to this day, I'm so excited about this and the and the potential here. Some of the some of the most exciting ones that I love to talk about are. Uh, there's a specific gene called the obesity gene. And so many people, when they see their results that they have it, they just throw their hands up and say, okay, well, now there's nothing I can do about my obese condition. And that's so absolutely not true because your DNA, like I mentioned, is just your template for what possibly can happen. But what you do in your everyday life either brings that to fruition or not. So there's plenty of studies out there that say if you just integrate physical activity and get outside of that sedentary lifestyle, then you can 100% mitigate those um, obesity predispositions. So the potential out there is just um, so exciting because your DNA is just absolutely not the um, end-all, be-all. There's, um, there's quite a bit of wiggle room there. Yeah, and I think that that's something that a lot of people are concerned about. Um, weight and there's an actual obesity gene. Well, so the, it, this, the one I'm referencing is called the STO, it's fat mass and obesity related gene. 
And unfortunately, you know, you have 20,000 of them, and this poor one got a lot of hype, and it was deemed the obesity teen. But that's another lack of education in the in the general consensus that oh, I have this one gene, therefore all the other ones don't don't play into my obesity, which which just isn't true. You need to t- paint the whole picture from all of your DNA, including all of your lifestyle, and then you'll have a more comprehensive picture of what what is really going on. And and what are some of the other factors that you look at in terms of health? Um, you know, I I you know looked at the website and things like that, and then you know I've seen things like cholesterol and blood pressure. Are there certain things that you can see from someone's DNA that you can help them steer their health into a certain direction? Sure, sure. And so things like cholesterol that you mentioned, you have certain genes that either say you might be absorbing too much cholesterol from your food. And in that case, then you might want to take a dietary approach to lowering cholesterol intake. But most of your cholesterol is produced within your body. It's not coming from an outside source. So only only that small population would really need to watch their cholesterol. However, there's other methods that lead to increased cholesterol, like a lack of excretion. And so those people, you can really focus on more of an, uh, an exercise approach and making sure you activate those cholesterol excretion pathways. That's really interesting. So you can see that from someone's DNA, the, the test that you've gotten back from their DNA? Mm-hmm. And again, many of these are, are an accumulation of many genes. So there's quite a list of, of uh, cholesterol-related genes that, that deal with excretion and then quite a list that deal with absorption. So it's really about um, kind of measuring how many are, are affecting which one. But it's not just one gene for, for anything, really. That's, that's kind of the kicker that I'd like to convey is that just because you have one gene that says something, it's, um, it, it's always going to be incorporated along with many other uh, adjacent genes. And so to to go back, I know that you know, DNA tests in terms of uh, direct consumer testing has not been around for that long. How long have you been doing this? I've been doing it for just over a year now, but when I started my business model about a year and a half, two years ago, the the test that I recommend now was $599. And just wow. within those two years, now I can offer it for $99. So the, the potential, again, is just so exciting because the more information I know about somebody, the, the more accurate and acute I can make reser- uh, recommendations. So it, having the DNA as the base is just so important. And um, now that it's getting more readily available, it just gets me so excited. And for someone, uh, for clients that you've worked with, has this been like a a dramatic change or is it it more of like a gradual change, trying to change people's lifestyle habits, things like that? No. So everyone that I've worked with so far has had really positive results. And different things happen in, in different speeds. Um, just just recently, I had a client who was dealing with terrible skin issues, and she has for several years. We tweaked her diet just a little bit and added some supplements. And over all the medications and doctor visits that that, that um, never 
never amounted to giving her any relief. These small little tweaks in her diet and exercise and stress reduction have, have proven to really help her out. So I like to say that the more information I know about you, the smaller the change in your lifestyle I can make. So the, there's kind of broad strokes being cast with these other DNA companies because imagine if, if nobody knows what you eat for breakfast and how you like to exercise, then they're just going to create this blanket new lifestyle for you. And what are the chances you're going to change your lifestyle and uproot to this brand new plan? I like to understand the preferences and the abilities and the enjoyment that, that people find in food and exercise and then make the very smallest tweaks I can so that there'll be lasting changes and, and prove to be more of a compliant plan. And and so when it comes to giving people recommendations, is it exercise, diet, you know, what are some of the things that you generally will recommend to people based off of their DNA results? Well, so it's not necessarily based off their DNA results. It's my my plans are all goal driven. So that's another component that's that's lacking in the current companies. Through the interview process that I do, I'll ask them what their motivations and what their goals are. So when when if it's if it's weight loss, if it's skin improvement, if it's specific to cholesterol, then you kind of look at their DNA and their lifestyle through that lens of what their goal is. Gotcha. And um, in terms of the next five, ten years, are, what do you, where do you see this kind of using people's DNA um, in terms of their overall health? Where do you see that going? Oh, I think it's I think it's just going to catch on like wildfire because really the more you know about yourself, the easier it is to um, to get ahead in terms of disease prevention, in terms of achieving your goals because not not all diets fit one size and so understanding why maybe a low carbohydrate diet versus a high fat diet might have or might have not worked for you makes achieving those goals much easier so i think the more information everyone can have in their own pockets can be really helpful but that that being said they need to have the correct understanding and education in order to apply those, like we discussed earlier. So it is it can be quite scary to get these results and just, um, you know, find out that you have, like, the obesity gene or something that makes you a little bit more predisposed to something like Alzheimer's. That can be so terrifying if you don't understand that it's not uh, the, your concrete outcome. It's not It's not your destiny. So it's really about being able to interpret and apply those results in the most meaningful and and positive way. Right. And and going back to that, it's kind of like I I heard an example one time. It's like a light switch, whether or not you turn it on or off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what the epigenome is. It's a little layer that sits on top of your DNA. So your DNA is infallible. You can't change it at all. But you can manipulate the way that they work. So certain types of food can activate certain fat burning genes, which is really cool. So if you have a weight loss plan, then I'll integrate a certain um, type of food that really turns on those fat burning genes. And you can do certain types of exercise that really turns down those fat storage genes. So 
it's really cool stuff we've got going on. Yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, and going there, there's, I, I know there are people who, myself included, <laughs> have gone on certain diets that if this one just does not work for me, this one, it seems like I got better results. Like, you, you know, like low carb or if there's like a different um, low calorie, different types of diets, you can see which ones are better for someone based on their DNA? Well, I don't really like, I don't really ever prescribe a, uh, one of those diets that fits in a, a box like that. I try to make sure mm-hmm. they're getting all of their fat, fiber, and protein at each meal that will regulate their hormones. Um, but it's about the, maybe the composition relative to one another with each fat, fiber, and protein. But I don't ever say somebody should go on absolutely low carb. You know, that's really specific for certain populations, certain disease populations. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. But you can at least tailor certain vitamins and nutrients for what can kind of not turn on one of those. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So my plans come with exercise, nutrition, supplements, and behavior modifications. So those really entail mostly things like stress reduction, um, improving sleep, and all of these things help create a more holistic approach to your experience. Awesome. Well, and so for people who want to find out more information, where can they go? I have my website is geneticgarden.co. And I have an Instagram and a Facebook that is genetic underscore garden. Once again, that was Emily from Genetic Garden. We'll have more information about Genetic Garden up on our uh, pages. But, um, Nick, you know, we talked about your weight loss journey, and I just want to go back and, and get your takeaway and what you thought about you know, the things that Emily had to say. I I think the the point, I think a lot of the points she made were excellent points. And I, you know, genes can limit us, but they can't become an excuse for us. I mean, look, I, even if I, you know, to go back to our introduction, even if I do have the obesity gene, if the test proves that out, look what's happened the past six years. You know, the 27 years of my life, I was obese. The last six years, I've I've overcome that gene to, to get down to a to a healthy weight to what's acceptable according to standards. So I I do think the point is I mean it is information that we we can use if we learn how to use it. And I know that was one of her big topics is what she can do to help out is you know we get all this information in front of us. We take this test, we take the DNA test and we see you know what kind of genes we may have, what's this gene mean, what's that gene mean? The big the big gap is to make that how we can use that and and you know, actually do uh, it and that's where it's I mean that's a, the educational thing is so underrated here because even even just on the street weight loss knowledge it's difficult to talk about you know but when you when somebody says low carb not everybody knows what that means when somebody says you know mentions the idea of wasteful calories they don't know what that means so I do think there's an educational component here. And that's, that's, that's the biggest challenge. I mean, it's, I love the idea of, I love the idea of what she does, but I think the biggest challenge will be the educational gap. Not a lot of people may understand it right away. So I do think that's going to be the, well, and, big, the big thing. 
And for you, I mean, you're a very smart guy. Was that something that you didn't understand before? I think that was, I think it was number one, that was part of it for sure. Um, you know, you, but, but I think the biggest thing on my end is I really, and this is, this where, this is where it's my fault and not the fault of the genetics I, I inherited. This is not the fault of my family. I just didn't care. You know, I, I, I ate a pizza every once in a while. I didn't eat one slice. I ate eight slices. I didn't, you know, I, I went to McDonald's and got a McFlurry. I enjoyed way too many Frosties, and that's because I really did not care about health at the time, and that's, you know, it doesn't matter. That's not the fault of the obesity gene. That's the fault of me, is I didn't care about health. I didn't care about, you know, getting healthier, and I, it's not just, you know, it's not just not knowing, but it's, it's an attitude deal, too, and I think that's where... That's another part that's going to be tough is, you know, sometimes you have to be brutally honest about yourself. If you're not healthy, you have to tell yourself that. You have to convince yourself, you know what, there's a better world out here if you, you know, if you sacrifice 30 minutes a day running. If you sacrifice, you know, 20% of the bad food you eat, you can still eat 80% of the good food. So I think it's, it's yeah. both educational well, and, think- and it's, it's, both, it's both educational and attitude. And I, I think for you, when you say, I think that's also switched too, where you say sacrifice 30 minutes. Like, I think for you, you, you enjoy it now rather than thinking of it as like a negative thing, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, and it gets back to the, the secret of weight loss is, you know, I, and obviously DNA is a big part of it. You know, you know, what you eat is a big part of it, but the secret of weight loss is to remain happy. You have to, you have to do, and I, I like running now. I can't never imagine I, I would like running. You know, having, having an iPhone with music helps. Having an iPhone to watch YouTube while you're on the treadmill certainly helps. Uh, I love lifting weights now. You know, it's, that makes me happy. That doesn't feel like I don't get up anymore and say, oh no, I have to run four miles. I'm going to dread this. I wake up each morning and say, you know what? Let's try to let's try to run four miles in thirty two minutes rather than oh no. Let's try to run two miles in under fifteen minutes. Let's try to let's try to make things better. So it's but it's that, really, that didn't happen overnight though, right? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I mean, and that's another big part of it is you have to the the, the main goal is to remain happy. If I would have started running four miles a day at over five hundred pounds, number one, I probably would have died. Because that's a lot of that's that's a lot of heat to put on yourself. And number two, I would have hated it because I I would have done too much too quickly. So you have to. I mean, it's it's really a Jedi mind trick. You have to you have to do all what you can to remain happy. And one of the one of the things I do is if I try something for a week and I hate it, I don't do it. You know. And the, and the, the good news. The good news about weight loss is there are so many things you can do. It's not just that you know I do low carb, but that's not the only way to lose weight. Uh, vegetarians, you know, uh, low-calorie diets. Look at all these silly stories about guys who eat at McDonald's a lot and still lose weight. I wouldn't recommend that, but those stories are out there. So you just got it. The secret to weight loss is to remain happy. And, and even now that you are 
at a weight? Are you at a weight that you're happy, that you feel healthy? Are you planning on losing any more, or are you? Is it? Is this it? Uh, I'm still. I'm still gonna. I'm still doing it right now. It's. It's most. It's the stage of just knocking down fat's over. Um, mm-hmm. I got right. Down that's to what I mean. Yeah. Like, are you trying to lose awesome. any more I'm weight? I'm down to two thirty. <laughs> I'm down to two thirty. I was down to two thirty, but then. The last three months, I've been lifting weight. So technically, I've been gaining weight. I'm losing fat, but I'm gaining weight. So I'm up, I'm back up to 245, but that's because I lift weights five days a week. So And you're very tall, too. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. Well, and, six, six. Yeah, how, how tall? Uh, six, six. Yeah. I think that's important for people to know. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, tall. it certainly helps, for sure. It certainly helps. I mean, they're, you know, it's it's. There are, there are good, there are bad things about being tall, but the good news, I mean, the good thing is about being tall is your body is naturally going to burn more, more calories because the way your metabolism works. So that's a, that's a genetic advantage I have because a lot of my family members are tall. So, you know, the obesity gene may be a disadvantage, but the fact that most of my family members are tall, that may have given me some advantage into losing this weight quicker than if I was, what, 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, so it's the genetic, you know, your genes work both ways sometimes. Right. Well, and and now you're in, are you in a healthy BMI? Like if you went to the doctor, they would say that you're in that healthy range? Uh, it really depends. I, I you know, it, right now I'm 246, so technically – that's considered overweight, but I will say this, you know, like I said, had I not lifted muscle, had I not, or not lifted muscle, lifted weights to gain muscle, I would, I would, I would be in that acceptable because 236 is the magic number for somebody my size, for, for my height. 236. Mm-hmm. So technically I'm overweight, but I don't really feel like it because a lot of that recent weight I've put on is muscle. Right, and that's, and that's also a bit controversial recently, too, about BMI and uh, whether that's exactly accurate if people should go off of that. So Yeah, um, and, there's, and, and no. if you, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big basketball fan, and, you know, according to some standards, LeBron James would be considered obese. When you yeah, look at LeBron right. James, when you look at LeBron James, obesity is the last thing I think of. Yeah, so it's exactly. So not just, it's, it's not just a scale. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think, you know, just for, for, um, because you had that motivation initially for weight loss, um, now your motivation is it just to be healthy and continue and keep it off? I think it's more, and this is, this might be another topic for another podcast down the road, but I think it's, it's the look now. And there's a lot of science out there that suggests that genetics can impact the way your muscles look, can impact the way your body looks. Even if you lift a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and then you may not get, quote, ripped, unquote, because of genetics, because of the food you eat. So that could be another interesting uh, topic to explore down the road. So right now it's about the look. And yeah. obviously, if, and obviously if you're lifting weights, you're going to be healthy anyway, so... Right now, my it's phase two. It's about not just number. Phase one was getting healthy. Phase two is uh, uh, getting the look. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Well, and I think you know um, this hopefully will be 
encouraging for people who are, you know, discouraged. And it, it's just another factor in this whole, you know, uh, wide-ranging uh, factors of being healthy. And, you know, like you said, and like Emily said, that uh, genetics is just part of it. It's not the end-all, be-all. Um, you know, some study, studies show that genetics account for about 50 to 70% of our, our weight variability. So, um, you know, even if you do have all of the bad genes, uh, then it doesn't mean that you are, it's inevitable that that you're just going to be overweight. So um, I think that we'll continue to explore this topic and continue to talk about uh, these different things. And because, Nick, I think especially about this topic, you've got a lot of interesting points and perspectives that we can uh, go into some more. But be sure to follow us on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, uh, and on our website, and we'll have everything up there. This is Genetic Jackpot.